So I don't actually know what this is going to sound like. I assume it's going to sound good because it's super fucking expensive. Once we get that out of the way, we'll start the podcast. Podcast, we're talking about AI. So AI is in the news. It's in the news because of a lot of different reasons. I actually, over the last sort of week, so we took a week off for the summer vacation in Japan. Uh, I was looking at just collecting stories, things that were interesting to me. And AI has been very interesting because one of the things about the writer's strike in America and Hollywood and all the problems it's causing is the fact that they want to use AI. And how are they want to use AI is to essentially have someone create something and then cut that person out and create more stuff and make sure that person, that initial person never gets paid. That's sort of where they're starting from. So the story that kicked this all off was a week ago. Zoom. It's actually four months ago, but very recently someone had noticed the terms of services had changed and they then put it on the internet and everyone went apeshit like two, three weeks ago. It was Zoom is changing their terms of service so that they can use your meetings, your phone calls to train AI modules is what it said. And the quote was, Zoom will have perpetual, worldwide, non-exclusive, royalty-free, sub-licensable, and transferable license to the content you put on Zoom. So if I'm doing a business meeting, Zoom can listen to my business meeting, take the content therein and create something with AI and use it and give me no money. Uh, I have a friend who teaches lessons using Zoom online. Zoom can then take the lesson content, put it into AI, create English lessons, create English. <laughs> Suddenly I can't speak English create English lessons and then actually create their own English school. Because let's say this guy does a lesson every single week. He can basically take all that, put it into AI. Zoom can create their own English school, drive him out of business, and then create their own AI-generated school where they're using all his content to do online Zoom lessons with AI. So that's problematic. People weren't really happy about the fact that your calls were going to be used to generate AI information. And if this guy hadn't gone and found the information and stuck it online, we would never know. That's actually one of the first issues. Uh, the core issue here is there are no regulations. This AI is a new technology and how AI is being used is a new technology. And that's problematic because like I said, my friend who has a very small business that business, the content he creates in his business can be used to create an AI model to then drive his business out. So he won't have a business anymore, but then the AI will take over and Zoom would take all the profits. So you can see the problem there. You have a human doing real work, real effort, and this big company's coming in saying, you're using our communication software, therefore you we will drive you out of business. I, there is a secondary issue. 
If you drive all your customers out of business, who ends up being your customers? That is problematic. And I don't know if anyone's really thought about the long-term impact of using AI to drive content creators out of business. And content creators is a lot of things. Like when we say content creation, we tend to think of TV, internet, movies, and stuff like that. But my friend creates English lessons. So his English lessons are content for a business. And there are multiple businesses that use that. But then I think a lot of students don't want to do an English lesson with AI. There would be some who would be very open to it. I think this might be a generational issue. And that's one of the things we have to get past because I always run into generational issues being fairly old. I talk to people about generational issues. You have to be very aware of what people have grown up with. I grew up with video games. Video games is a big part of my life. But I did not grow up with microtransactions. So I'm very against microtransactions. And one of my friends who I play video games with, he's talking about PlayStation Plus is a really good service, but I am inherently against subscription services where the content I pay for is then removed without my permission. So there's a game I wanted to play. It's on PlayStation Plus. And he's like, you should buy PlayStation Plus and we'll play that game together. Whereas I like, I would rather buy the content and then have the content the license to me directly. Now, old Peter, as in the previous Peter to the one you're speaking to now or listening to now, he wouldn't have even wanted to buy digital. He would have wanted a physical DVD, CD, ROM, uh, Blu-ray release of it. So a physical item they could put in his disc. I had bought Destiny, uh, the original Destiny. And everyone's like, you should buy it digitally. And I was like, I don't really like digital games. I hadn't grown up with digital games. My fear is that they will remove the game from my library without my permission, which is exactly what happened. There was an update. So the original version you couldn't play anymore without paying for the additional stuff. And I refused to do that. But that was exactly what I was against. I don't want to have to pay for something. And then run into this problem of ownership. And that's what Zoom has tried to get around. Who owns the content on their platform if I'm delivering content to a user who's literally paying me directly to create that content for them? In this case, my example is an English lesson. So the fact there are no regulations is the first issue. And that is concerning. But of course, that means regulations are coming into play. So that's something we're going to talk about a little bit later. They actually got away with this for four months. They got away with this for four months because it took that long for someone to post it on a forum. It was like some hacker forum where they posted it. And then it blew up. If that hadn't happened, because I don't read terms of service. I mean, I don't think any reasonable person does spend a huge amount of time reading terms of service because I don't have time to read terms of service on every item I buy, on every uh, platform I interact with, any update to the terms of service. Photo Bucket, this is completely random. Photo Bucket for weeks was saying, sending me emails going like, we're going to deactivate your Photo Bucket account. Do you want to keep your pictures? If you don't renew your Photo Bucket account, if you don't get in there and do some stuff, we're going to delete your pictures. You're going to lose all your pictures. And, I, and my, part of my brain just went, pull the trigger, man. Just fucking do it. Like, honestly, leave me out of your photo bucket, terms of service bullshit, delete the pictures. I haven't looked at it for years. I don't even know what's there. 
So it's going to be gone. I don't care. And they were desperate to keep me in the photo bucket environment. But the problem they actually had was there was no incentive for me to remain in the photo bucket environment. So that's actually sort of the first issue I ran into with that. It was just an interesting aside because here was a company that was trying to make it sound like losing my pictures on their platform was going to be a significant issue. And I was of the opinion that it did not matter at all. So go fuck yourself and go fuck everything about you and your company. And if I can take that attitude with more things, I'll have a lot more freedom. And I think this is it. This is the, the fuck you version of freedom is what we're going to be aiming for in the future. Because Zoom saying, we're going to take the content of every one of your meetings and train AI on it and not give you anything back. Because if they said, we're going to train AI modules on my friend's English lesson and then give him a cut of every English lesson that was created as a result, I bet my friend would be really happy because I bet at the end of the day, he would make a ton of money more than he's actually making now doing direct lessons. And it would actually be an incentive for him to create more lessons and put more content on the Zoom platform. But because what they're actually trying to say is perpetual, worldwide, non-exclusive, royalty-free, that's important, sub-licensable, as in we can sell it to other people, but you're not selling it to us, transferable license, what they're saying is we get all the money and go fuck yourself, you little bitch. Knowing that, I actually bet my friend, knowing him as a person, he would probably go look for another platform to do his English lessons on. But they backed off that really quickly because they're like, oh yeah, we're not, we're not uh, stealing your content. We're not using your meetings to train AI. Uh, the other, there is a sidebar there in that if you are using AI and taking all that information to train AI on it, if I'm having a fairly high level, serious business conversation, you are doing like uh, corporate espionage. You are spying on what could be considered private information. But then I've, since I've used your platform, I've technically agreed to letting you listen to and into every meeting. I could have my meeting where I develop Zoom, the Zoom killer uh, on Zoom, but then Zoom would be able to hear it and their AI would be able to warn us, oh my God, this company is going to come for us. We need to shut them down really quickly. That is something that is a concern. So we don't want any content, any company to have access to all our content with the full non-exclusive royalty-free sub-licensable and transferable rights. Uh, because what they're essentially saying is you use our, con our program, your content is ours now, not yours. This is what Netflix is doing. This is what these big companies are doing. These media companies are doing with the writers and artists and the, and the actors and stuff right now in Hollywood. Some of the problems though with AI generated content. So the, my, my thought was the AI generated English lesson would start teaching you weird English because it's not going to take just my friend's lesson. It's going to take my friend's lesson plus other stuff it's garnered from the internet. And we know that AI when left to itself turns racist really quick. Uh, it turns into something really weird. It gets really freaky really quickly. And that is where some of the initial problems would come up. An example of this is a Microsoft travel guide was saying the number three place to go in Ottawa, Canada. So Ottawa is the capital of Canada. I don't know if you know that or not. I don't know if you care. I actually lived there for a very long time. Ottawa is a very nice city. Sucks in the winter. Sucks for a very short time. The summer is very short. So sucks for a very short time. The summer. Fall and spring though, 
perfect. It's, it's a great place to be. You should go there in fall. Um, let me tell you, the Rideau Canal is a beautiful place to go in late fall. It's a wonderful place to be. Uh, fucking hate the winter, but that's irrelevant. It was saying the number two place to go in Ottawa was the War Memorial. I can tell you as someone who lived there, the War Memorial, it's fine. Number three was the Ottawa Food Bank. And it was basically saying like people do not get turned away hungry from the Ottawa Food Bank, which is technically true, but also it's not a place that you would send tourists. Number five, no, number four was to go to a senator's hockey game. Now I can tell you, I would rather go to a food bank before I go to a senator's hockey game. I'm being really, really honest, uh, but that's a secondary issue. That's just because I personally don't like hockey. I'm, I'm perhaps the only Canadian. This is a revelation from Tongue Beef Chest to every. I don't know how to skate, and this is this is a point of great shame. Should anyone care? But what happened was I was a young immigrant. My parents brought me to Canada when I was a babe. Uh, they said, uh, I think I was eight, seven or eight. And it was like, oh, I want to, I want to learn how to skate. So they bought me skates. And I went, the schoolyard used to flood an area and put up these sort of barriers and make an ice rink. And I went there by myself because I was embarrassed. I didn't have this skill and I wanted to learn on my own. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to learn how to skate. So I put the skates on, was out, you know, balancing on my, holding onto the edge. And some teenagers came along and started pushing me around. Uh, and since I didn't know how to skate, I couldn't protect myself. And I was crying and crying in Canada, in Ottawa, in the wintertime, when the tears freeze to your cheeks is one of the most uncomfortable and memorable experiences I've ever had. So that's something to be very aware of. Uh, and from that point on, I never skated again. So the Rideau Canal is a river that runs through Ottawa, the city. And every winter they have a winter festival there and it's very, very nice. And of course the schools, high schools, uh, will say, let's go. And everyone can skate on the Rideau Canal because the assumption is every Canadian kid skate. Uh, so I would go and not bring skates and then just walk along the Rideau Canal for a bit and drink hot chocolate, which was a very nice afternoon, if I'm being completely honest. But I have basically never skated since. Am I capable of doing it? I have no idea. That's an aside. We're talking about Microsoft. <laughs> this, is, this is the pleasure of C. McBee. I think I'm trying to figure out a new tagline. And it might be like stuff you want to know with tangents. Uh, C. McBee examines the world as good. But I realize that the tangents are maybe the more entertaining part. And usually the tangents about how I've been a complete loser in some way seem to be the bits that are, are most interesting to most people. Anyways, Microsoft put out this content uh, saying that the number three place to go in Ottawa is the Ottawa Food Bank. And then they tried to claim it was not written by AI. So the statement they put out was, this article has been removed and we have identified that the issue was due to human error. The article was not published by an unsupervised AI. We combined the power of technology with the experience of content editors to surface stories. I fucking hate some of the lingo they use to surface stories as opposed to publish or write or present surface. So to take a story from under the sea and bring it to the surface. That's fucking bullshit. 
media speak PR talk. In this case, the content was generated through a combination of algorithmic techniques, AI, with human review, not a large language model or AI system. So they're trying to define an algorithm and AI as being different. So the problem is the algorithm came up with this list and AI. So AI is not the problem, despite the fact that algorithms at an advanced level and AI at a low level are probably exactly the same. We are working to ensure this type of content isn't posted in the future. So they're saying that this article was written by an algorithm and that the editor should have caught the mistake. And therefore, it is the editor's mistake and not the algorithm's mistake, which is a very company-oriented excuse for what's happening, in my opinion. Because the editor either is just being inundated with articles, so the algorithm or the AI or whatever you want to talk about is putting in 50, 60, 1,000 articles a day, who knows? The human can't keep up and it's just like, okay, the title looks good. I looked at some of the content. The content's good. Throw it out there. And that's how these things get through. But they're trying to make sure it sounds like the AI isn't the problem. People are the problem. But the real problem is a person didn't write this. A person would have known from the get-go that the Ottawa Food Bank is not one of the more exciting places to visit in Ottawa, the capital of Canada. Back in 2020, Microsoft basically fired a whole bunch of journalists, replaced them with AI and what they call AI and human oversight, which is this situation right here. And then they always try to blame the human when something goes wrong because they want to make it sound like firing all those journalists was a mistake. So here is the interesting bit is where did the algorithm get that content from? So it created a list of the best places to go in Ottawa. It obviously trolled the internet took that content from other sources and then made the list and put it together. That list then was created and put on Microsoft's website where it was delivered to X amount of people. X amount of people saw it. Uh, Microsoft got the advertising from it. They did, did they, let's just put this up as a hypothetical. Did they share any of those funds with the people who actually wrote the original content? The answer is no. So you can see again, their version of fairness is we get to take whatever we want and publish it and it's no one's fault other than people's who we will blame and then maybe fire or whatnot. But if anything goes wrong, if there's any issue, that's not our issue. We're just going to try to you know forge forward despite the fact. Basically, they're saying we want to make all the money. This is exactly what Zoom's doing. We want to take all the content, make all the money and pay no one back so that we can keep all the content. If they could get, I think, if they could get rid of those that, that human oversight, they would. But they need that human oversight so they have someone to blame. I don't think that human oversight is actually there to see or benefit the article or the AI. I think it's just there so they have someone to blame who isn't the AI. So they can then turn around and say, AI is safe, AI is good, AI is everything we ever wanted it to be. But that brings us to a very, very interesting development legally. Because that's really where all this is coming from. As I said a little bit earlier, the issue primarily is a legal one because this is a new technology. Every new technology, there are no laws in place. This happened with cryptocurrency. There were no laws in place to stop people from ripping other people off of cryptocurrency. There was no way to ensure 
that cryptocurrency was used safely for the average user. And the average user had no place they could fall back to for protection. AI is in the exact same situation right now. There is no legal oversight. So this is one of the more interesting aspects of what's happened recently is a court case came up. Now, Stephen Thaler has a bid to have the government begin to allow copyright protections for AI-made works. So he's saying, if an AI makes content, that content can be subject to copyright so that other people can't steal it. And you can see the first issue. Where does AI get its content from? It's going to be just general users on the internet. But once the AI makes it, it has copyright protection so that other AI, other users, can't use it without our permission. So that, to me, is the first core issue. This actually goes in again to the strike that's going on right now in Hollywood. Thaler, who serves as chief engineer of the neural network firm Imagination Engines since 2018, he's been trying to get copyright validation for AI creations. But a judge has said that human authorship is a bedrock requirement for copyright, which is really fucked it. Because then, so let's say I create uh, some content and Netflix AI scoops up that content. They then use that content to create some other content that is not technically related to me. Uh, They violated my copyright, but the way we can get back at them is whatever they create with AI, we can then use that to create our own content. So let's say they create a world. I, I wrote Montana El Diablo, the first podcast, choose your own adventure. Let's say AI picks up on that and they get it into their system and they create a series of choose your own adventures based off Montana El Diablo, the character, uh, they change the name, of course, to make it so that they don't have to worry about it. They can't copyright that. So then other people can then take what they made and then rejigger it and make their own content based off that. And there is no violation, which I think is good. Now, I, of course, have copyrighted Montana El Diablo. Montana El Diablo is my creation. If Netflix goes for it, I will sue. Now, I honestly do not have the money to take on a Netflix company. I, when I created Montana El Diablo, the choose your own adventure was very shy of saying choose your own adventure because Chooseco, the company that owns the trademark to choose your own adventure is very litigious when it comes down to other people who aren't working for them using uh, choose your own adventure as a phrase. So I changed it to a user driven narrative or narrative experience. Uh, And that was my way around it by making my own phrase. But you can see this is the problems that copyright creates, but also solves. Because making it a human requirement, I think, is excellent. Because this is going to go and help the people who are creating content for companies that are now currently in negotiations uh, during the strike. The reason that AI cannot uh, copyright anything is AI need no incentivization with the promise of exclusive rights under United States law. And copyright was therefore not designed to reach them. So basically, I create something, I need to make money off that something to survive. That money is the incentive for me to create new things. AI doesn't need the money. Therefore, there is no need for AI to have copyright issue with something because they don't need to 
to protect their creations from other content creators, which is a very interesting way of looking at it. So the, the Hollywood strike I've actually spoken about in previous episodes once or twice. And the initial issue is that let's say I write a story for Netflix. I keep using Netflix. It's actually all of them, but I keep, uh, I write a story for a company for Paramount. Let's just keep it interesting and I'll use different companies. I write a story for Paramount, Paramount. And what they want to do is take that story, put it into AI and create offshoots of that story. So basically a franchise that resulting franchise, I don't get a piece of any of that But as the initial content creator, because I didn't use the AI to create everything else. I don't get any money, but the money that sort of extended universe creates goes back into Paramount and I don't see any of it. So what they really want to do is get a writer, have them write something that's really good. They use that to create other stuff with AI and then get rid of that writer and never pay him again and then keep any money that comes back from that. Again, the benefit of the, of the copyright issue is that none of that will be protected, which they're very upset about. And ironically, that right now, because human stars aren't promoting films, these movie companies are starting to complain that the films that are coming out right now are not making as much money as they potentially could. So the situation they've created by pissing off the writers and the creators of media and them not wanting to support, you know, getting fucked over in the future even more is that they are technically right now losing potential money. We actually don't know if it's true, but the one that came out is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So all the actors in that have their own fan bases. They have Jackie Chan. You have the young kids who are voicing the actual Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You have Seth Rogen. None of them are actually in the promotion mode for this film. So they're thinking they've lost 10 to 15% of the possible profits on their opening week. So uh, because of the star's inability to promote the film, it's speculated that Mutant Mayhem will have missed out to 7 to 10 million from its domestic box office. So there is a specific number that they think they've lost because the faces, the humans connected to this content creation aren't out there promoting this content. And that to me is very interesting because what they're actually noticing is they actually need people to connect with other people for people to go pay for the content that those people have created. But what they really want to do is say like, let's take this mutant mayhem movie, throw that into AI, take the voices, the voice actors, put that into AI, make 20 more movies. And then we're going to make millions and millions of dollars. But I think they're missing the actual essential element in that there is a human connection as, as ethereal as it might be. The unspoken idea of a fan loving a star or a movie or a franchise. So I have a thing as a straight man for Chris Hemsworth. If you listen to C McBee for any length of time, you've heard me talk about Chris Hemsworth in a very not straight way. And it's because he is a God among men. And I get it's all artificial and steroids and stuff, but Jesus Christ, when that man takes his shirt off, I feel things I shouldn't be feeling. I mean, we'd be real honest. Uh, but there is a emotional mental connection there that does not exist. If you did the same thing with AI, a computer generated script 
would not have the same impact. I'm willing to promise that because we looked at the thing earlier from Ottawa. AI cannot tell that recommending people go to the Ottawa food bank is a bad idea, that people won't like this. That is the difference between AI and humanity right now is that I write something, it'll connect to people on a human way and then they can contact me, they can talk to me and I can sort of work with my fan base when I work on my next project. They could actually be in a weird way involved. I've received emails from Montana El Diablo. I've received emails from Ninja News Japan. I've never really, oh no, I've received emails for CMCB, kind of the old version, the thing that pre, the precursor to this. But that motivated me. I responded to those and those people were more invested in the thing I was making. So there is like a building, a momentum there that makes everything better. One more quote about this marketing thing. Um, marketing source at an unnamed studio called Stars Being Unable to Do Publicity, quote, a huge detriment to the overall campaign. You lose the cultural impact of having talent talk about the film. Some movies would have worked anyway, but they had more. Oh, some movies wouldn't have worked anyway, but they had more of a shot as if they were being promoted. So this is really the crux of where AI is right now in content creation is how much can an AI do on its own and still connect with human people? Whereas how much can a human do and connect with human people? There's always the content creators on the internet that I don't get. Like they have 30, 40 million followers. And I, as an old man, think it's really stupid. But that's because they're not connecting with me. But me as an individual, I'm meaningless. I am essentially just a single demographic. They are connecting with multiple demographics to get those kind of numbers, connecting in a way I don't understand. In this situation, I would be the AI. I could not create content for that audience. So is it enough? Is it possible for AI to make a good script, to make a good thing? Uh, we're going to find out because actually, hopefully we don't. Because right now what's happening is the studios are realizing they're losing money. And the protections aren't going to be there for them to keep money. They're going to have to have people involved, A, to keep profits up, B, to keep content original. And I think most importantly, to make content actually connect to an audience, which is a really hard thing for an AI to do. Uh, I'm sure there's manipulation tactics, like you put a dog in it and then you kill the dog. That's a pretty cheesy one that gets to me every time. But... Maybe the AI wouldn't understand how to kill the dog in a way that would affect me in a positive way. Maybe it goes too far and disgusts me. Maybe it doesn't go far enough. And I'm like, oh, well, that was a little, you know, they just killed the dog off screen. So I don't really feel anything. That's going to be the issues that AI suffers from, but it's going to mean the content it creates suffers from that. And it's going to become, I'm interested. Will it become very obvious as to when or when something has or has not been created by AI. Uh, is there actually human oversight? And how impactful is that human oversight if they aren't actually involved in the creation process? So one thing you are going to know, primarily from the inability of me to actually you know, stick to a script, is that C. McBee, Ninja News Japan, Montana El Diablo series, Daily Affirmations Weekly, none of these are... AI created is a real human behind the microphone speaking to you.
speaking to your ear holes. And I do partially kind of want to stick my content into AI and see if it can spit out an episode that actually sounds like me. I wonder if my personality is unique enough to not be able to be created by AI or can it do it? And then I don't have to do anything. I just generate AI episodes and stick them out there. Use my voice. Does anyone want that? Probably not. Regardless, it'll be interesting to see what develops over the next few weeks, next few months. It'll be interesting to see where the strike ends up because the way it's looking right now is actually bad for the studios because it looks like they're going to end up having to pay people for the content they create. The copyright protections mean that they won't be able to protect the things the AI creates from for them in the future. I mean, again, I don't have a conclusion. I don't have a prediction. My honest feeling is that people can make stuff that connects with people and AI can't. We may get to a point where they can. I'll be interested to see if that actually ever ends up happening. 